Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business podcast, where parenthood meets professional development. We'll be covering all things business, flexible, and remote work with kids. I'm your host, Amy Lynch, and I'll be interviewing inspiring guests who've been showing up as their full selves as parents and blurring the lines between their personal and professional lives. Visit mixingbabiesandbusiness.com to join our movement of parents seeking to invest in themselves alongside their kids. Our next guest on the podcast is Tanya Hales. Tanya is a mom of one and an award-winning event planner, freelance writer, public speaker, and creative storyteller using various mediums to evoke emotions, create change, and magnify moments. She is the founder of Black Moms Connection, an online global village and nonprofit organization, as well as a diversity, equity, inclusion, and representation disruptor doing anti-Black racism consulting through color in white spaces. Our conversation took place in August before we knew what back to school would look like. In our second episode with Tanya, we talk about building inclusive experiences, how primary caregivers are being left out of business spaces and programming, and what we're doing about it, and why you have a part to play too. Let's get into it. When I was reading your story, I originally started out validating a different business idea, and it was focused on financial literacy. And I was annoyed because as a creative uh, professional, I didn't have I didn't feel I had the knowledge or skills I needed to be successful when it came to my finances. And so I was validating this separate idea. And in the process, with, alongside my newborn, became more annoyed at the fact that there was no baby change tables in these tech spaces and incubators and accelerators mm. or that the workshops I needed to attend to access startup funding grants from the government in Canada were held at 7.30 in the morning. And it's so hard to get out the door with a baby before, I think anytime before 8 a.m. is you're winning. <laughs> and yes. I would make him his breakfast before I left the house and drive half an hour to this session or 45 minutes to this session and I'd be the only person with a stroller. And I just refused mm. to not go. And maybe I was a bit stubborn, but I just refused to not show up because things weren't designed for parents. And it ended up becoming something totally different. But what I found was with creating parent-friendly events, I did have people who weren't primary caregivers or maybe they they heard children were a bit older talking about being interested in coming to my events. And I experienced, I don't want to say it's a similar problem or issue to what you're describing and that people have written in the media about you having a group that is exclusive. Well, that's the whole point because mm. things aren't inclusive. And I've had people say similar things about these events saying, oh, I'd love to attend just because of the time of day, because it's not just a parent of newborn problem. People recognize that mm -hmm. they don't want to have to go to evening events all the time in order to do their networking or sacrifice their personal life to move their business forward. It's refreshing to hear your perspective on it and to see you doing it because at every step, I feel like there's people who are going to challenge what you're doing or why you're doing it or how you're doing it. And you just have to be so strong in your belief of what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that's really, that's really it at the end of the day. Um, and two things, and I'll go back to you mentioning about uh, childcare at events, because that's doubly a <laughs> uh, passion of mine or a passionate point of mine. But I remember having conversation with someone at the Ontario government, this was a couple of years ago, we were just talking about, you know, how can I grow BMC and secure monies and stuff like that. And he had asked me a question in terms of, um, so he's a black man, and his I think he had a friend who she's a white woman who ha had uh, is in an interracial relationship and they have a biracial child. And so he asked me, he's like, would you let her enter the space? 
And I get that question a lot. And I was like, man, how am I going to, you know, um, this is someone I'm trying to impress and and make sure that I stay on the ends with and has, you know, he's a gatekeeper to so many other things. And I said, I I can't. Um, I'm like the historical context of letting a white woman into a space with black women to talk about raising children is, is no one, no one is prepared for the, the massacre that would happen. And uh, the first two words are black mom, and it has to stay that way. And he was just like, good. I was like, oh, He's like, you should not try to be everything to everybody, you know, and I joke about everyone wants to be Walmart, but no one wants to be the beer store anymore. And I'm just like, the beer store focuses on selling one thing, beer. You're not going to the beer store to look for wine, (laughs) even, right? And so for me, you know, when we're applying for grants and what I loved about the Trillium uh, application process, they were very clear that it needed to be, you know, a Black-led organization, Black-led and Black serving. Because a lot of times with programs that go into predominantly Black neighborhoods, it's white organ- white-led organizations parachuting into these communities. And then they're the ones getting the money and getting the cloud and the fame and the fortune. But then, you know, the people who are really doing the work, the frontline workers who are Black and look like the community that they're allegedly serving, aren't getting the funds. And then we continue this perpetuation of gender and uh, racial wage gaps that we have in this country. So, you know, it's really thinking, you know, people have to think deeper about a lot of things. I don't wake up in the morning with the the thought process, how can I exclude white moms today? (laughs) (laughs) That's not anywhere near on my to-do list. I am way too busy. I'm a single parent. I have three businesses. I'm on two boards. I literally do not have the brain capacity to think about that. I think about what can I do to serve Black moms in the best way for free right now. There's no paid staff for BMC. There's two board members. Everything we do is two board members and the volunteers who run the Facebook group. So I do not have the time to waste on focusing on others. To get back to the point about on-site childcare at events, that is a huge deal for me, specifically as a single parent. I've skipped so many things because I couldn't find a sitter. I didn't have the money to pay a sitter or I just I didn't feel like it was a space where I wanted to deal with a crying toddler, an impatient preschooler or whatever it was. You know, I have to think about what is the menu going to be? One of those networky things after work, it's like a lot of cocktail-y foods. Great, but is there anything that's going to be kid-friendly that he's going to eat? If not, I got to feed him beforehand or I got to make sure there's a McDonald's close by or something that is quick and easy. The location, you know, is it even stroller-friendly? Because we all know, as moms and parents, how heavy those things can be lugging them up and downstairs. But the biggest thing for me was always when people would say, oh, just bring him. And I'm like, but you don't understand what that does to me. You're forcing me now to be a mom in a space where for an hour, I should just be able to be me. And that is incredibly difficult. There's no way for me to uh, network and have a glass of wine in my hand and and chitter chatter and not think about where my four-year-old is. It's just, it's impossible. And if you want to be more inclusive, and when we talk about diversity and inclusion, there's so many things that we always neglect to talk about, right? We think diversity and inclusion, okay, Black people, gender. (laughs) We don't talk about ability and we don't talk about parents and needing to accommodate them if you really want everyone to be their full selves and bring themselves to your spaces, you have to really think. And just it's a matter of just doing a survey. Do you need on-site childcare? They'll say yes or no. 
And then if you get a lot of yeses, well, then now you got to start researching who's going to take care of these children on site. And that, of course, there's liability insurance things that you need to think about and consider um, what the cost is, because that's not cheap. Um, is it going to be sponsored? All those things from a logistical standpoint. But the ROI is that now a parent gets to go and be whole and in contribute to the conversation. And they now have an opportunity to network in a way that they never would have before because they would have had to make the choice. Do I go home? Do I bring this kid with me? And I, you know, I get that parenting is a choice. And there's probably people listening. I was like, oh, you chose to become a parent. And we not everywhere should have to accommodate everybody. That's not how society works. And I, I get that in theory, but it really depends on what your business is. If you don't care about accommodating parents, cool. But then don't make them their, your target audience and demographic for, to collect coins from them. Why are you creating an environment that's not conducive to parents or primary caregivers showing up? And like you said about being able to show up as your full self and participate without having to parent at the same time. The only events I've seen lately are political events, trying to get more women to run and some government funded initiatives to increase female entrepreneurship. And they've realized that if you're the primary caregiver, it's hard for you to show up at those times or at all. So they've provided pop-up childcare. I'd love to see it becoming more of a frequent thing. And also just having spaces that if an architect is designing something, if it's accessible, then we should be able to enter the building and we should be able to change our children without having to put them on a dirty floor or yeah. out in public. You mentioned about the wanting to go network versus people saying, well, why don't you just bring them? And and I've done both, but I always get so sweaty when I bring my kids with me because it's like, <laughs> it is like a workout. And I've brought them Absolutely. since they were newborn up until my oldest is four right now. And I, I see how it gets harder as they get older because you can't physically hold on to them or yes. go for a walk or quickly leave the room if they start crying or acting out. And, mm -hmm. and they shouldn't have to feel like they can't express themselves, but it just gets physically harder as they get older. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely, there's a stage for sure, right? So there's the, I can keep them in a stroller and just like rock them back and forth and it'll be fine. And you know, oh, that's so cute and oh, great. But then once they get to the point of when they're toddlers and preschoolers, this like that two to four, two to five age, yeah, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a 10 out of 10, do not recommend. But now my son is Seven. So my son has a has a lifetime, right? I'm an event planner. I'm active. I do a lot of things. So he he has a lifetime of being corralled into these very adult, grown up spaces as a result of me not having access to childcare for whatever purpose or reason, I should say. So now he's seven. And the last event that I had to bring him to, so a couple of things, you know, just to give an example that all is not, you know, do not despair, so to speak. Um, there was one that I went to, it was at uh, City Hall. Um, it was an initiative to get more Black people to uh, join boards. So it was called Blacks on Board and it was held at City Hall. John Tory was there, et cetera, et cetera. And so af afterwards, you know, we're standing in line and waiting to meet the mayor. And um, so my son goes up and shakes his hand. And he's like, oh, great handshake. He's like, how old are you? How great are you in? And I'm like, my son has met the mayor. And when he grows up, it's not going to be at a place for him 
to be in those kind of spaces. So there's a plus side for me introducing him to spaces that um, has taken so much for for Black people and people of color to even break into, right? And, you know, one of the last things that I did, you know, when we were still able to have events in person is I was on a panel and I had to bring him with me, you know, and he ate the cookies, but he was on his tablet and that was it. As long as he knew where food was and a bathroom was, he was okay. Um, And he has an understanding that unless it's an emergency, do not disturb when I'm on this panel talking. So I think it's just a matter of there's pros and cons, right, to it all. And when we're talking about parents, I really want the men who are listening or people who identify as men who are listening in terms of the the change tables, because even that when when places are designed and they, if there are gendered bathrooms, the change table only being in the woman's bathroom is a problem mm-hmm. because it assumes that men are never out alone with their children and ever have to change them. And I have friends, um, male friends who are parents who have expressed their frustration at that. And it's just perpetuating this whole thing. Well, the primary caregiver is always just going to be the woman. There's no point in putting this in the male in the male bathroom. That's not true or fair. So if you're going to do that, then just have a gender neutral bathroom with a change table in it and save yourself double the plumbing. And if you're a, a man who is a parent and this is an, an issue for you, speak out about it, right? Don't just complain to your wife when you know, it's like, I couldn't change her. I couldn't find anywhere to change her. And then putting that labor back on her when you get home, complain to the management of the place that you're in. Say, you know what? I'm a parent and I want to be able to change my daughter and not do it on a dirty public bathroom floor. That's how change is brought forth. If no one speaks up, then no one makes any change. I completely agree. And it won't happen straight away. Based on my experience, you have to keep doing it. And uh, and a lot of the time I've found the people who are working in the buildings who are either regular staff or operational staff, they don't even realize that it's an inconvenience. And if you come from a place of curiosity, uh, sometimes as opposed to I, I was outraged at times, but I would just raise the question in a curious way as to, well, how many people attend your programs that are parents? And do you ever think maybe that's why that there's not that many attending because mm. of this? And, and a lot of the time, they just don't even realize that it would be a problem or a barrier for people. You might affect change, like you've mentioned, we just don't know how long it might take, but it's way more productive. Thanks again to Tanya for taking the time to chat with us about how bringing her kid into business settings has evolved over the years. Our third and final episode with Tanya will feature our conversation where we're talking about responding to world events, pivoting in business when you don't have another option, and the legacy that she's working to create. Check out tanyahales.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network or leave a review for us. You can access more parent-friendly professional development by signing up to our newsletter on our website at mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Thanks for listening.